This is It Was a Thing on TV. Punisher! Control! Tell me before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! Episode 344, submission number 315, Free Spirit. Free Spirit aired on ABC from September 22nd, 1989 to January 14th, 1990 for 14 episodes, one of which went unaired. Unless, of course, you're living in Australia when you're listening to this. September 22nd, 1989, a day that would live in the lore of television as long as you or I or any member of Generation X and or Millennials continue to draw breath and walk upright. It was the premiere of TGIF. Now, ABC has programmed Family Blocks on Friday nights before TGIF. I mean, we all remember the likes of Webster, Mr. Belvedere, the final season of Different Strokes, Sledgehammer, The Charmings, previous entry, I Married Dora. But then, in around 1987, you see sort of the genesis with Full House and Perfect Strangers all on the same night, all of a sudden they're thinking, okay, you know what? And I'll tell you who is thinking this, because he is credited with the creation of TGIF, and that would be Jim Janicek, the head of programming for ABC. Prior to the official launch of the vlog, Janicek was employed as a writer and producer for ABC Entertainment, in charge of promoting the network's Tuesday and Friday night comedy lineups. Now, recalling his childhood, when his family would gather to watch The Wonderful World of Disney, much like Greg used to do and still does from time to time, he was inspired to create a family-oriented comedy block. And in 1988, he finally got his wish when he gained support for his concept approaching the studios and talent of independently produced ABC shows, promoting the synergy and potential success of the Family Block brand. Four ABC-oriented comedy series were on board, and that was enough to get the ball rolling with the backing of network president and current head of the Walt Disney Company, Bob Iger. 
I saw you do your little smile there, Greg. I saw. Yeah, that. people forget that he was at ABC when he started out. Yep, he was at ABC when he started out. He did great things for ABC. He did great things for Disney. He continues to do great things for Disney. However, I should note, he is the man who allegedly pushed for infamously telling David Lynch and Mark Frost to reveal who Laura Palmer's killer was on Twin Peaks. And that sure turned out well. Spoiler alert. No, it did not turn out well. Okay, so the block of predominantly family-friendly sitcoms was officially inaugurated with the 1988-1989 season with three shows that were slated to be part of the block and would be a launching pad for a fourth show, the show that we are talking about right here and now. The first official schedule for TGIF was... Full House at 8, The Perfect Strangers spinoff Family Matters at 8.30, which would be a new show then, The Mothership Perfect Strangers at 9, and Just the Ten of Us at 9.30, except for September 22nd, where they would air a special preview of Free Spirit, because they want this show to find an audience. They want people watching. They want people following. They want everybody to get on board with this premise. So we all know what happens to Full House. We all know what happens to Family Matters. And we all know what happens to Perfect Strangers. Just the ten of us, not many people know what happens to that, but it's not going to be a show that we end up covering on this show. But Free Spirit did collect an audience on par with the rest of the lineup. Full House scored a 15.1 in the ratings at 8 o'clock. Family Matters had a 13.9, respectable, first place in its time slot, opposite two other new shows, CBS's Snoops, and a show that NBC aired one season of and then canceled, stupidly, Baywatch. And then you have Perfect Strangers with a 14.6 against Dallas, which would be on its final season or damn near close to it. Dallas went to 91, so. So this would be on its penultimate season. And then Free Spirit launched to a 14.6 rating. But Free Spirit was not going to remain on Fridays for long. Because, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's talk about the show first. According to TVTropes.org, a fantastic comedy, a short-lived fantastic comedy, where every 100 years a witch must provide assistance to a mortal in need. When the time comes for the fun-loving, cute witch Winnie Goodwin to perform public service in this manner, She finds herself becoming a magical nanny and a new friend to the Harper children. Young, intellectual, and budding scientist Jean, middle child syndrome poster girl Jessie, 
and the trouble-making, trouble-unmaking Rob. The kid's father, divorced lawyer Thomas T.J. Harper, remains unaware that Winnie can do the magic she does. Suffice it to say, some of her spells go wrong, and hilarity ensues. Our mischievous and vivacious witch Winnie is played by Corinne Borer, who you would probably remember from ER, that's E slash R, which we talked about on this podcast, but also in undoubtedly the best of the seven Police Academy films, and I'm willing to take this to my grave. Police Academy for Citizens on Patrol. That's right. She was the love interest to Bobcat Goldthwait in Police Academy 4. But yeah, aside from that, she was in a lot of canceled projects. And fun fact, her only nude scene was in a comedy she starred opposite Randy Quaid with called Dead Solid Perfect. It was produced by HBO. It was basically a tin cup with HBO guts. If I want to watch Tin Cup, I'll see the movie Tin Cup, because at least that has Kevin Costner. And And Don Johnson. And Renee Russo. Are we forgetting Renee Russo? Okay, yeah, and Renee Russo. And Don Johnson. And Cheech. I think, isn't Cheech in Tin Cup? I believe Cheech is in Tin Cup. Oh, you know who else is in Tin Cup, guys? Who else was in Tin Cup? Jim Nance. Hello, friends. Yeah. Corinne Borer, she plays Winnie, and she's summoned by 10-year-old Jean, who is played by Eden Gross. He was a child actor from that grown-up thing. He was in... Oh, boy. Here's, here's another list, guys. Cheers, Murphy Brown, The Golden Girls, Empty Nest, New Heart, Highway to Heaven, Married with Children, Northern Exposure, Herman's Head, Sweet Surrender, and Walter and Emily. He was also the voice of the good guy dolls in Child's Play. Oh, jeez. Yeah, he didn't play the voice of the good guy doll for long. But hold on. You know who was in Child's Play, Chico? Who was in Child's Play? Catherine Hicks. And we're going to be talking about more of her soon. Yes. In another short-lived TV show that involves a witch. Yes. With another podcast favorite. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Playing the role of older brother Rob with that weird sort of mullet, that weird sort of late 80s, early 90s mullet of his, Paul Scherer, who actually would be best known for his role in Children of the Corn 2, The Final Sacrifice. Well, it sure as hell wasn't The Final Sacrifice, considering they made so many other damn movies of that. But he was also in the seventh season episode Critical Care on Star Trek Voyager. Because it all has to come back to either Star Trek Voyager or Quantum Leap. He was also in Quantum Leap, by the way. 
which season of Quantum Leap and what episode? Episode Return of the Evil Leaper, October 8th, 1956 from 1993. Oh, yes! That is a great episode. That's the Evil Leaper trilogy. But hold on. Do you know who's in that episode also? And this ties it. He's, it's all ties back together with who we're going to talk about in a bit. Neil Patrick Harris. He's not the evil leaper, though. No, he's not. But he is the heavy in that episode. He is one the of the heavy heavies. Well, one of the okay. heavies. One of the heavies? Yes. Well, nowadays, he dabbles in real estate in Indianapolis. Not even his native Indianapolis. He's from Rochester. He just deals in Indianapolis with his brother, Chris. Rounding out the three kids on this show... Middle kid Jesse, who's a typical 13-year-old girl trying to make it in this big, big world. Jesse is played by podcast favorite Allison Hannigan. Their father, a recently divorced attorney who's trading in big city law for quiet town lawyering in New England, is played by... Frank Lutz, who is a popular stage actor at this time. He kind of looks like what happens if you mix Scott Bayo with some human growth hormone, if you ever saw an episode. But mostly, he dabbles in stage performances. He did play in a season four episode of Star Trek The Next Generation as the symbiont Odan in the host. And he was nominated for a Daytime Emmy Award for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series for his role as Dr. John Bennett on The Doctors. And during this period, he was on a week of the Hollywood Squares. It was soap opera week, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Wait, which version of Hollywood Squares was that? 1979. It was it was the, the original Hollywood Squares. Okay, well, unfortunately, and, and, and Luz and Luz was featured in the top left hand square with his co star Nancy Pinkerton. Well, you know what? I'm sad it wasn't, guys. I'm sad it wasn't the version. Frank Lutz and Allison Hannigan were originally not supposed to be on this show. In the pilot, Thomas Harper, TJ, was played by Christopher Rich, who you would know from the George Carlin show and that Archie made-for-TV movie. You remember Christopher Rich. Is that the from Riverdale and back again? That was from Riverdale and back again. Okay. And playing the uh, role of Jesse would be Shonda Whipple, whose biggest credit would be in four episodes of Unhappily Ever After. Hold on. Is she related to Mr. Whipple? No. Okay, because as we all know, Mr. Whipple was an effing drunk. We all know this. This is a fact. Go back to episode 87. They typecast him as a drunk, absolutely. So they shot the original pilot 
with Christopher Rich and Shonda Whipple. They liked the cast. They liked Corinne Borer. They liked Edin Gross. Now, this was originally supposed to be a vehicle for those two. Everybody else was just replaceable. So they replaced everybody else, except for Paul Scherer. They replaced Christopher Rich with Frank Lutz and Shonda Whipple with Allison Hannigan. Be still my heart. Anyway. You know what I just remembered? Allison Hannigan, a year earlier, played Dan Aykroyd's daughter in the cinematic masterpiece, My Stepmother is an Alien with Kim Basinger. Are we going to talk about Dog and Cat again? No, but still, that is a cinematic masterpiece. And hold on a second. You know who else was in My Stepmother is an Alien, guys? Joseph Moore from Second Chance 1987. He was in a TV show with New York Times bestselling author Matthew Perry. Yes. All right, just making sure. You know, I need to get that Matthew Perry book. I will hope that he talks about Second Chance in that book. I would really love it if he talked about it. Everyone will talk about, oh, I love the stuff about friends. No, I'm going to say I love the part about Second Chance. He was an up-and-coming comedian doing pilot after pilot and short-lived show after short-lived show. And then in 1995, he just thought, oh, this friend's gig isn't going to last a long time. Shows what he knows. Speaking of the pilot, let's talk about it. When Gene wishes for someone to help him bowl because his father, Thomas, busy being a big shot New York lawyer in a small time New England town, to surprisingly enough, not enough time for his kids, Gene makes a wish for someone to help him bowl. In comes Winnie, who literally falls out of the sky and decides to stay on as the family's housekeeper. Because he was looking for a housekeeper, TJ. She casts a few spells to prove her mettle as a witch to the kids. She cleans up Jean's room. She manages to score tickets to a concert for Rob and Jesse and... She can't really do anything to Thomas except call him by TJ, which, and this is him talking, nobody's ever done before. So, after all of that, after a brief spell with leaving, Winnie agrees to stay on as the family's housekeeper. But she has to be careful to keep her secret, especially from Thomas. I don't know if there's consequences, but I imagine that the consequences are... Really, really harsh. Oh, yes. They'd have to be. I mean, we're dealing with a witch here, for crying out loud. Oh, yeah. Well, obviously, we got to deal with a witch here. So, obviously, there's some shenanigans afoot. Obviously, you got to deal with, like, the witch police or something. The police of witchery. Episode two. The bosses are coming. Under the guise of Thomas's clients... Winnie's boss wants to take her back to the witch's realm, prompting Winnie to make a deal 
to remain in the mortal world. This episode is important because it's the first show in the regular Sunday lineup. By the way, playing said miscreant, a man by the name of Bill Dan Florek, who would be a year or two removed from Law and Order. Episode 3, Wedding Bell Blues. After Thomas's date backs out of a wedding invitation, he asks Winnie to go with him to the event, but she might want to check her attire before going. Oh no! Corky, what do you have to say about that? You won't believe what happened! But hold on, this episode is called Wedding Bell Blues? Wedding Bell Blues. Was the soundtrack for this episode provided by the Fifth Dimension? Nope. Episode 4. Too much of a good thing. After Winnie casts a love spell on a girl that Rob has the hots for... Oh no! No, no, no. Rob learns that he is the only one who can break the spell. But okay, we got a good guest star here. Several good guest stars. Yeah, but this one is, when you think of Allison Hannigan, you always associate her with this guest star. Playing the role of Joey, which is one of Rob's friends. On a side gig from fast food drive-in commercials, Seth Green. Ka-ching, ka-ching. He wouldn't have been on Rally's ads that early. No, it would be 91, but you know what? He wouldn't be saying ka-ching 30 years later when his NFT got stolen. Oh, boy. <laughs> Can't do that show till he gets his NFT back. Nope. And that's just one of the guest stars on this episode. Playing the girl that he likes, Allie Brown would be uh, taking a break from your mama's stories. And then you have Alex Desert, who would be on The Flash a year later. And we'll be covering The Flash hopefully soon. Ezra, please don't do anything stupid until June. Please. And by the way, he is the new voice of Carl Carlson. He was also on six episodes of Prime Video's A League of Their Own, if you are so interested. And playing the role of Chris, Michael Stoyanov, who is a big brother of Mayim Bialik and Joey Lawrence in a couple of years. Whoa! Whoa! Episode 5. Guess who's staying for dinner? A sexy client whose 80-year-old husband has died, wants to be Thomas's next wife. What? Oh, oh my god. Wait, what? <laughs> sexy client wants to be Thomas's wife. But her 80-year-old husband has died. So is this an Anne Nicole Smith situation? I believe it is, yes. I have to see who's playing the role of the uh, client, so to speak. Anyway, uh, 
That prompts a jealous Winnie, who apparently is growing rather attached to Thomas here, to find out the real reason behind this sudden proposal. Meanwhile, Gene records home videos to send to his friends back in New York. Well, Gene, just wait a couple of months, and then there'll be a show on ABC where you can just have all the videos that you can send to Bob Saget. But make sure that the videos include some ball shots. And remember, it takes 10 first-class stamps to send it to Saget. You didn't think I'd remember that, did you? Oh, yeah, 10 stamps to send that to Bob. Mark Fink, an expert in the form of the uh, family-friendly, or at least the family-accessible comedy, he wrote this episode. Art Delenn, who is a veteran in and of himself, he directed the episode. But playing the role of Melissa Simpson, who is the uh, client whose 80-year-old husband just died... Terry Austin. Ooh, Terry Austin. From Knott's Landing. Yeah, from Knott's Landing. But also, hold on, Chica. She was in an episode of Quantum Leap. Yes, she was. She was in the season two episode, Her Charm. Oh, it gets better. Greg, may want to sit down for this. Okay. She was in an episode of Previous Entry, Counter-Strike. Okay. She was on an episode of Wings. Wait, what? She was on one episode of Wings. Wait a minute. I have to mention, of course. Of course, was... of course. As he likes to mention ever since that one time where he finally mentioned it. Yeah, 44 episodes ago. Can you believe, guys, that it's now been 44 episodes since I mentioned that I love Wings? Almost six months. Wow. Yeah. You know, generations are going to remember. Where were you when Greg said for the first time ever on this podcast that he loved wings? It was episode 300. Historians will note that in thousands of years. But I'm not done yet. Oh. Because she was in two episodes of Seinfeld. Oh, yes. The episodes The Stranded. And the Chinese restaurant. An all-time classic, the Chinese restaurant. With James Hong as the maitre d'. I almost don't want to mention this, because I know it's going to happen once I do. She was on a 1993 episode of L.A. Law. Just get it out of your system now. Nah, we're not going to do it this time. We used it last episode. We're not going to do overkill on that. Yeah, but... She was in an episode of Baywatch Nights. Remember Baywatch Nights? They tried to make Baywatch into a gritty crime drama. Yeah, and it didn't work. And then they decided, you know what? Let's make it into the X-Files. Everyone's going to love it. No. Next episode. Hello, Winnie. Jesse invites the exclusive clique, the Debs, over for Halloween. An event that Winnie has gone on record as saying she completely despises. Why would a witch despise Halloween? Oh, yeah, that's... Yeah, I, I get that. Winnie accidentally turns her invisible and can't reverse the spell. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. 
But okay, we got a good guest star in this episode. Two good guest stars. Oh, yeah. They're like half the Debs right here. We don't know who Cammie Harper and Marie McAvoy is. But if I were to say Maya Bruton, you'd say, oh, Parker Lewis's little sister. Yeah, because as we all know, Parker Lewis, he can't lose. What if Parker Lewis fought uh, Home Run Rue? Well, Parker Lewis would beat Home Run Rue. He'd kick Home Run Rue's ass. Okay, we forget. All right, there are two other things I should mention that she has been in. Okay. Okay. First, obviously, is Adventures in Babysitting. We can't forget that. Right. But she played Lorraine's little sister in Back to the Future. But you know who played Lorraine's little brother in Back to the Future? Who? Jason Hervey. Nice. Because remember, he asked Morty, what's a rerun? Because remember, Morty talks about, oh, I've seen this episode of The Honeymooners. And it's like, no, you haven't. It's brand new. I saw it on a rerun. What's a rerun? You'll find out. But one thing I should note, this episode aired on October 29th of 1989. Uh Right. You remember, ABC was broadcasting the World Series in 1989. And you all know what happened during that World Series. Yeah. There was like an earthquake. Well, if you'll remember, Game 3 was supposed to be played on October 17th, and they didn't play Game 3 until October 27th. And then they played Game 4 the following day, which obviously the A's won the World Series. So that raises a question. If the A's had not won Game 4 that night, if they had lost either Game 3 or 4, I'm guessing this episode would have been preempted because they would have probably have aired Game 5 on October 29th instead. Yeah, yeah. And plus, because the earthquake happened, that pretty much threw the whole schedule in flux. But ultimately, it all worked itself out in the wash. We didn't mention the final Deb, though. Who's the final Deb? A uh, girl by the name of Chris, played by Jenny Lewis. Oh, yes. about in Life uh, with Lucy. Yeah, Life with Lucy. But she was in The Wizard. Cinematic Gold, our generation's version of the Who's Tommy. First appearance of the Power Glove and Super Mario Brothers 3. Episode 7, Two for the Road. After Thomas buys a convertible for Rob and Winnie to share, it's an excited Winnie who really gets behind the wheel and a furious Rob ready to take the keys away from her. Oh, no. Check out who plays the car salesman. Oh, yes. We talked about him in the Shasta McNasty episode. Michael Berger. Yes, that Michael Berger. Episode eight. Not with my sister, you don't. When Jesse goes out with an older boy... Gene and Rob trick Winnie into taking them into an X-rated movie. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Why? Why would you do this? 
because she's Winnie and she's very, very gullible. By the way, uh, this episode, written by April Kelly, who is one of the two creators of Boy Meets World. So yes, technically, she created the Philadelphia Mafia. And uh, we have the whole Crater family. The Crater kid, Chip Crater, was played by James Calvert, who's in everything from House, Future Entry, Deadly Games, and a voice on Star Trek Voyager Elite Force, which I didn't even know was a thing. What? It was a video game based on Star Trek Voyager. How could no one told me this was a thing? Huh. And playing his parents, Claudette Nevins, who was actually in Sleeping with the Enemy, Star Trek Insurrection, and six episodes of JAG. And Brian Clark, who played a role in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter is Dead. Dr. Perlmutter, I believe his name was. Okay. Wow, that's a lot to absorb. I think it's a good time to take a little commercial break. Here's some era-appropriate messages. We'll be back momentarily. After these messages, we'll be right back. Farrah Fawcett gives the performance of her career. They're my kids, and I love them, and I did everything in my power to save them. Emmy winner John Shea. You're a cold-blooded, vicious murderer. A special appearance by Ryan O'Neill. I'm the only one who can get her to tell the truth. Based on a true story, Small Sacrifices, Sunday. Tonight, the most important announcement made since the end of World War II. East Germany declares the Berlin Wall open. East Germans free to travel the world. Ronald Reagan talks live about the dawn of a new era on Primetime Live tonight. Friday means TTIF and things are popping. Sooner or later, everybody gets a visit from the Zit Fairy. On Full House. And a photographer is born. I've been looking for a way to express myself. Yeah. English show hasn't been working. Family matters then. Whenever you're ready, babe. It's home movies with perfect strangers and a snappy new Just the Ten of Us. I see it and I love it. TTIF. It's always funny and it's only Friday. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom returns in a moment. Rex wants to know what's the ultimate chicken salad? Uh, Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. Please, you go ahead. Oh, I, I lettuce, tomato, mayo. How could you top oh, one it? One word. Oh, that's hard. One word. Toasted multi-grain bun. Oh, Introducing the new Rack's Grilled Chicken Breast Sandwich. Only Rack's could make a chicken sandwich this good. Speechless. This sandwich literally leaving him speechless. Me too. The new Grilled Chicken Sandwich. Fries and a Pepsi now only two ninety nine. Rack's Restaurants in Spokane and Coeur d'Alene. Don't miss the movies, both day and night. And now in color, sweetheart, not black and white. Don't miss the sports. The financial reports. It's all on cable. Cable's got more of what you want, anytime you want it. HBO movies and much, much more. So take advantage of this money-saving offer and order now. It's all on cable. Cox Cable, $5 installation of basic cable, plus $5 for the first month of any one premium channel. Tomorrow. Are you ready for the football? Randall Cunningham and the Philadelphia Eagles take on the Chicago Bears, ABC's NFL Monday Night Football, America's hit show. Then, MacGyver's a man of action. Tomorrow. Oh, man. Back to the show. 
episode nine. Love that Winnie. I love this episode. This is this is yeah. some really crazy stuff here. Some really nutty stuff. So in this episode, Winnie imagines herself in an episode of the Donna Retro. Because obviously she must have been watching some Nick at night. Of course. But things come slowly to a head when she realizes that life's not that chipper because Jean breaks Thomas's prized watch and she reluctantly agrees to magically fix it. Oh, no. Yeah, she's about to discover the hard way that being the perfect homemaker is nothing like a TV show. Oh, that sucks. It does indeed suck. But hey, free use of Donna Reed's likeness and footage. Gotta love it. Oh, that's a plus. That is a big plus. Episode 10, The New Secretary. Oh my god, speaking of Nick at Night. Episode 10, The New Secretary. TJ hires Witty as his secretary but he becomes miffed when she tries to reunite a couple who are in the midst of a divorce. Playing the role of the couple, the Stillmans, Blanche and Albert, Florence Henderson, and Robert Reed. Oh, yes, of course. Come on. You got Florence Henderson and Robert Reed. Episode 11, Radio Nights. Ooh, Radio Nights. Ooh, sounds sexy. Yeah. So Thomas is left stranded at a radio station after a thunderstorm causes a tree to fall and block off a bridge. So already we have trapped in a small space. That sort of TV trope that always seems to lend itself to the perfect bottle episode. The storm also strips Winnie of her powers while Jean fears that he will never see his father again. And that's a heartbreak. Well, okay, guys. We got a Hall of Famer in this episode. Not just a Hall of Famer. A certified, bona fide friend of the show. Hi, Tim Stack. How are you doing? Yeah, Timothy Stack is in this episode. He plays Dick Drake. Dick Drake? For the uninitiated, where you'd know Tim Stack from, besides friend of the show, as we've mentioned a few times, he was on Nightstand with Dick Dietrich. He was on Son of the Beach. He's been on so many things. If you've seen him, you know who he is. But Greg, I got one new credit, which is going to blow your mind. Okay, what is it? He was part of an ensemble acting cast on the game show pilot called Let's Get Personal. And Greg, I'm going to make it even better. You're not going to believe this. With Tim Stack in this ensemble cast on this game show pilot called Let's Get Personal, two other people, and we've talked about both of them in the past. I hope you're sitting. This is going to blow your mind. Tim Stack, Larry Anderson, and Sally Julian. Wow. And of course, Larry Anderson, we're not talking about the baseball player. We're talking about the dad from Life with Lucy. And also he hosted 
they knew truth or consequences back in 1987. But Sally Julian, we've talked about her a few times. She was the first model, sidekick, whatever you want to call her, the person who assisted Jim Perry on Sale of the Century back in 1983. We just talked about her earlier this month. Yes, but we'll also be talking about her again sometime in June. I won't say which entry it is, but if you're keeping score at home, that's two mentions of somebody who was in Parker Lewis because Tim Stack played the dad on Parker Lewis can't lose and thus played the father to Maya Bruton's character also. And also, because again, we always have to shoehorn a reference to this show whenever we can. Sally Julian was on a week of Match Game Hollywood Squares. And we are going to talk about Let's Get Personal at some point. We're thinking right now, maybe pilot year of 2024. Might be a little bit after that, but it's definitely on our radars. Oh, make sure you have your no-dos for that episode. Oh, Oh, that's a horrible, horrible show. All right. Oh, episode 12, We Gotta Be Me. In an effort to stop his annoying behavior, Jesse and Gene ask Winnie to split Rob into two guys, and they still get more annoyed by the results. What? Annoyance ensues. But, oh, we got a big name and a potential Hall of Famer. Oh, no, I think we've said she's, she's going to be in the Hall of Fame this year. She's I think we've said year. that. Yeah. That's right. We're talking about the late, great Rebecca Balding. All right. Now we go to episode 13. Blast from the past. Ooh, boy. Ellen Gylas wrote this one. She's a veteran. And that's going to be important because of who they get to uh, play in this episode. But after a 150-year absence or courtship, or quest to win Winnie's hand in marriage, a goofy warlock unexpectedly arrives to claim his prize. His name is Kevin Wenceslas. Three guesses where he got that name from. And playing Kevin Wenceslas... Let me say it. Cut it out! That's right. Like, how annoying can one warlock be? Annoying enough for two shows on the same network. That would be Dave Collier. Yeah, he'd be a good goofy warlock. I am engaged to Robin Trubosky, and I know that she wrote P.S. I Love You for you. Now, now, why is he so obsessed with you? What? That song's not about me. Then who is it about? About them? I don't know. I always thought it was cool yet. It wasn't me. <laughs> Stop asking. Jeez, cut it out. <laughs> I always liked that joke. Oh, we're not even done here. Playing the role of Winnie's father, Mr. Goodwin, because obviously the father needs to give the bride away. We talked about him a couple weeks ago. Michael Constantine. Because we talked about Sirota's court. Yep, he was Judge Sirota. So technically, he could marry his own daughter, except that would be weird. Yes. And then there's the episode that did not make air in the U.S. 
but it did make air in Australia. Love and death. Rob is instantly smitten with Winnie's sister Cassandra, but after she briefly whisks him away to Niagara Falls, he becomes so phobic that he refuses to leave the house. Oh no! Oh, wait till we tell you who played Cassandra. Oh yes, this is a good name. Really good name. Josie Davis. Yeah, she would have been on Charles in Charge. In this episode, playing a pilot, Michael McManus. Not a big name, but the reason I mention him, guys, he was in Police Academy for Citizens on Patrol. And as oh. we know, we've mentioned this plenty of times, especially in the last week or so, Police Academy 4 is the best Police Academy movie. Yes, it is. Even though Assignment Miami Beach at Matt McCoy and Renee Aubergenois. Of all the episodes to not air in the U.S., we missed this one? We missed the Josie Davis episode. How could you, ABC? How? Oh, I could give you a couple of reasons. And it gets back to uh, the point I was trying to make at the top of this podcast as we're looking at the schedule. It did do killer ratings in its slot on Fridays in between Perfect Strangers and 2020. But then they moved it to Sundays at 8 o'clock opposite Sister Kate on NBC, America's Most Wanted on Fox, and Murder, She Wrote. That'll do it. Ratings plummeted under the weight of Murder, She Wrote. There were a couple of Sundays in November where they pulled the show entirely to make room for the Sunday night movie. And then they pulled it again for America's Funniest Home Videos. Oh, yeah, because then America's Funniest Home Videos was starting up, and then that became the big hit of 1990. So... This show was sacrificed for America's Funniest Home Videos. Free Spirit died so America's Funniest Home Videos could live. That's right. So this show was sacrificed so we could see those glorious ball shots. Yep. And January 14th, 1990, they aired the last episode at 8.30, right after America's Funniest Home Videos, which did not do any better, especially because it was on opposite another new winter 1990 entry, The Simpsons. Oh, God. I hate to say it, but yeah, the show did get really bad press, and it was a really hard watch, but I have to believe that this show was cursed. Oh, it was. It was definitely cursed. Yeah, what was supposed to be the final episode of the 14 produced that was supposed to air on January 21st, it was replaced by a Full House rerun, and it did remarkably better. Oh, jeez. But still not better than The Simpsons, I'm afraid. Oh, no. Don't cry for the career of anyone involved with this show. I mean, yes... 
the show did not get a proper official home video release. It was not put on Crackle or any streamer whatsoever. However, you can watch most of the episodes that made it to air unofficially on YouTube. But yeah, don't cry for anybody associated with this show. Frank Lutz still enjoys a fruitful stage career. Corinne Borer is still busy with work. Paul Scherer and Eden Gross have found vocations outside the business, and they're happy. And then there's Allison Hannigan, who managed to somehow find her way through fighting witches and vampires and shacking up with Jason Siegel. Oh yeah, and she also works with Penn and Teller a lot. Free Spirit would be what you call a speed bump in the road. Just drive over it and move on ahead with your life. And what of TGIF? You really want us to tell you what happened to TGIF? I mean, it's known what happens to TGIF. It became the de facto block for family programming on a Friday night. But Free Spirit was not part of it. In fact, I have from the Wilmington Morning Star, Faye Zuckerman writes, Free Spirit is reminiscent of The Sound of Music, Bewitched, I Dream of Jeannie, and yes, 1987's I Marry Dora. As in Dora, a hardworking divorced father, Thomas Harper, is the head of a family with three lovable children. His youngest child, Lonely Jean, wishes for a friend, so Winnie the Good Witch Goodwin appears. Inside is her claim to fame, witchcraft is her game. She insinuates herself into the Harper family and is soon loved by Harper's three children, Jean, Jesse, and Rob. The children know of her special powers, Harper does not, and hiding her abilities from him is central to the comedy. The message is, it's okay to be sneaky around your parents to protect a witch. Why does ABC keep rolling out these below-average comedies? Youngsters, it seems, approve of the show. They enjoy watching child stars parade around in the latest junior fashions. That's the appeal of Full House, just the ten of us, and most likely Free Spirit, which will not lift any adult's spirit. And sure enough, it did enough to score on Friday nights, but left to stand alone on Sundays, it just failed to cast a spell. Oh. That was the best pun I could come up with. Oh, yeah. All right, any thoughts? Well, I have to think that maybe if they had put Free Spirit on TJF, like from the beginning and not put it on Sundays, it probably would have easily done well as we saw with the ratings from the pilot. But for whatever reason, ABC was like, yeah, we'll put this on Sundays and it didn't do well against murder. She wrote and you're not beating murder. She wrote. So. And you're definitely not beating the Simpsons. Well, what can we say about free spirit? It had a young Allison Hannigan. But in 1989 and 1990, it was just a thing on TV. It had less charm than the Charmings, if that was possible. 
By the way, did we mention that the Charmings also had Christopher Rich in it? Oh yeah, it did. You might cover that in a future entry. Eh, who knows? But of course, if you want to hear more fun stuff, you can go to our website, it was a thing on TV.com, where you can listen to the other 343 episodes that precede this. And you can also go everywhere where fine podcasts are streamed to listen to our episodes. We're everywhere. We're at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, The Works, Audible. We're on Audible now. Yes, we're on Amazon Audible. Yes. And you can also follow us on all our social media feeds at It Was a Thing on TV, except for Facebook, where unfortunately some witches, like, they took away It Was a Thing on TV from us on Facebook. And so they had to give us It Was a Thing on TV podcast. And so we were like, okay, we'll take it. That's fine. You're on YouTube. Don't forget, like our videos, share our videos. Help us get some word of mouth advertising. Smash that notification bell so you can stay up to date with all of our upcoming topics. Yes, we got the Super Bowl coming up. So we got two sports-related entries coming up next week. And we got a Super Bowl-related episode in two weeks. But first, this was my Election Day pick. And so we're going to cover it in the first episode next week. What happens when you have Ryan O'Neill and Farrah Fawcett in a sports center like setting? I don't know. Heavy action. Yeah, I guess heavy action. But also, next week, we're going to be talking about a special football related made for TV movie. But also, we got a star studded cast, but we got, I think for the first time proper in this podcast, we're going to be talking about. The ninth most effable woman in the world. And if you know, you know. That's all I'm going to say. But you'll find out more about that next week. Right here on It Was a Thing on TV. For Mike. For Chico. I'm Greg. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you for the next one. In stereo, mind you. Nice. Yeah. Row! I'm loving this like American Pie reunion. Me too. But here's my question. Yes. Do people still walk up to you and say this one time at band camp? Yes, they do, which is lovely to be associated with the movie people still know. But I have two daughters now, and <laughs> when they're with me and they like people don't just follow through, right? Saying the line, I'm like, can we just stop there? Yeah. Like, yes, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I'm not, I, I get really panicked, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. They know. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah really stop. funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh I don't gosh. want to have this conversation with them yet. I've never thought about that because you have kids. Yeah. That's, well, wait, you have kids too, though. So, like, wait, wait, when it came out, did your kids see it? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, my, my daughter was uh, 12, and so that... That's a little early. Uh, that's, that's a little early. My son was 15, and he was going to come with us in Los Angeles. We went down for the premiere yeah. of the movie. And the night before the premiere, he he said uh, he was on a phone call with his friend back in Toronto. And they said, well, what's going on? He said, well, I'm going to the premiere of American Pie uh, tomorrow night with my folks. And the friend said, 
Oh, don't see it with your folks. <laughs> don't see it with your folks. Bad you don't want to see this with your folks. <laughs> so he came to us and said, you know what? I, I think I'm not going to go tomorrow. <laughs> and I'll see it when I go back to Toronto with my friends. And I, and I thought, oh, well, okay, it's going to be a big night. Meanwhile, we went to the premiere, saw the movie. I'm so glad he wasn't there. Oh, that's so yeah. awkward. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs>